0: Hey, Amarillo. I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey, Amarillo is sponsored this week by Amber Morgan and the Manny Camper. Amber was a guest on this show back in February of 2018. She's one of those Amarillo creatives who has a surprising life even outside the city. She's gone to New York and done nails during Fashion Week. But here in Amarillo, She's a nail artist at Ugly Press Salon and the owner of The Manny Camper, a mobile nail salon that's perfect for birthday parties, bridal and bachelorette parties, New Year's parties, girls' night out, all that kind of stuff. So you can learn more about her at themannycamper.com or follow The Manny Camper on Instagram. Today's guest is Jennifer Gallardo. Jennifer is a vice president at Amarillo National Bank. And she's the branch manager at A&B's Northeast Branch, which is at Northeast 24th and Grand. And we talk about that neighborhood a lot in this episode. Jennifer is one of those A&B employees who started working for the bank uh, when she was really young and has gradually moved into an executive position. And I always think those are really cool stories. Second, Jennifer... Is incredibly involved in the community. And over the past year, she was on the executive committee of community members who helped put together the proposed plan for the Civic Center renovation, which is something the entire city will be voting on next spring. So we cover all that stuff in this episode. It's really fun. Here's Jennifer Gallardo. Jennifer Gallardo, welcome to the Hamrell Podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, Jason. I am so honored to be here. This is exciting.
0: Well, I'm honored to have you. I know you've listened to the show before, and we've known each other for quite a while. So I'm I'm eager to talk to you and hear a little bit more about your story. So, like I do with most guests, I want to start by asking how you ended up here in the first place.
1: Well, I will try to make a long story short, but well, not too short. Okay, not too short. My first kind of memory or recollection, as I've thought about this, is about eight years old um, in one of our weekend travels, because I was born in Clovis, New Mexico, and I lived there until about eight. And I recall we visited here a lot because my grandmother and my grandfather lived here. And so in the Barrio on South Roberts Street. Okay. And so we would come on weekends and visit and go to Wonderland and see family and things like that. And so probably because after dad getting off work or whatnot, I recall we'd enter into the city at night and we'd come across I-40 going east, of okay. course. And Clovis, New Mexico does not have a freeway or a highway. We have right. like overpasses in like four. <laughs> So this was my big metropolis. Like this was my big city. And I just thought, I just thought, wow, you know, I want to live here. I want to, I want to grow up here. And so Why do I tell you that memory? Because when we'd come over I-40, I would see the tall buildings downtown, which I knew back then, the Chase building, whatever it was at the time, has the 31 floors in it. Emerald National Bank has the 16 floors in it. So the two largest, tallest buildings, rather, downtown were so intriguing to me. And as a young girl, I was always into clerical stuff, typing and business, and I just... Thought, I'm going to be a businesswoman. I want to be somebody. And so when we'd come across that highway, I would look at those buildings. And I'm like, I want to work there. I yeah. want to work at one of those places. This is the big city. This is so exciting. And so I just started to dream that dream at eight years old. Okay. And so long of the short, thankfully, my parents found it um, into their wisdom to move here where there's more opportunities, more jobs. And so we moved here. And so I went to Glenwood, Bowie, and Caprock. Okay. And just grew up in Amarillo. I feel like, I feel like I'm a Texan, even though I was born in New, born Mexico. In New Mexico. I love my roots. I loved to vacation there and go to the mountains. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But Amarillo is my home.
0: When did you graduate from high school?
1: 1993. Caprock, okay. Longhorns, go horns, go big orange. And so gosh, it feels like, A long time ago.
0: So what did your parents do that allowed them to move from Clovis to here?
1: Um, My father was a truck driver, and then I I know he worked for like the Ready Mix, like Golden Spread Ready Mix. Okay. And so they, they worked in industrial type jobs. And so we just moved here. It was a lot of flexibility, you know. So we moved here and lived in that side of town by my grandmother in the South Roberts area in the barrio. And so I think more than anything, it was family and just a little more opportunity than where we lived in Clovis. Lots of limited means, mm-hmm. limited jobs, and we're a big family. There was five of us, but at the time there may have been just three of us. You know, the family grew over <laughs> the years.
0: <laughs> and so you had, you had visited Amarillo before that. You sort of had this idealized view of the city. You know, you yes. wanted to work in the big buildings and yes. all the lights and stuff like that. Once you actually moved here... Did the reality kind of match your your dream about what it was?
1: Yes, it did. Because it was even then, all those years ago, it was just a big city. Just for me, and my eyes, lots of things to do. I mean, like I said, when we had the opportunity to go to Wonderland or go to the Thompson Park or mm-hmm. the bigger parks or the zoo or whatever it was, my eyes were just opened. And I just thought this is just bigger and better. And I wanted to do something really good with my life and, and find success even as a young girl. And so as you fast forward, you know, and I'm in high school now there were opportunities back then. Um, I don't know if you recall the PRPC panhandle regional planning, if I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. And so they had a deal back then. I don't know if they still do this. I think they do, but where I was, I was eager to start working. I was eager to learn and kind of build that craft of what I wanted to do in the office and accounting Mm -hmm. or, you know, clerical type work. And so My mom, she was so helpful and she took me over there and I talked to people and, you know, and so they had a program. So I was able to work one summer. I think I was like 14 years old, my first summer at the veterans hospital. Okay. And so I got to be kind of their gopher and just get mail or coffee or, you know, I was like, I will do whatever y'all want. This is exciting. I'll even work for free. It's internship. I need to build my resume. I mean, who thinks like that at 14? This is true story. (laughs) And so I was just eager to do that. I knew that I was going to have to create and build from that And so it was great. I, I got a certificate of appreciation at the end of that summer. And then the next summer I was able to get an Amarillo college and for two summers in a row and literally file a thousand tuition forms back then. Okay. File. <laughs> Actually, So you were file. still doing
0: like clerical work yes, as a teenager. Yes, AC. just
1: learning and mm-hmm. getting into the digs and all of it. And so by the time I was a senior, um, the opportunity came up for Amarillo National Bank. And so I'm 17 years old, um, senior in high school, and Mr. Trader at the time, he approached two of us and I I loved his classes. He probably had three or four classes, but out of all of them, I feel honored he picked me and another girl to interview for the bank because they wanted a student intern or, you know, student work, work study program. Okay. And so I was all over that because I knew that it, Emerald National Bank was such a prominent company and such a big presence. And it was the tall building downtown, right. you know, the Even whole thing. Even like
0: what, this was the early nineties, right? Yes, okay. exactly.
1: And so thankfully I got that interview and, um, I thought, my goodness, you know, it was a friend of mine and very smart. And I thought, okay, what can I bring to the, I mean, I'm not that I'm not smart, but <laughs> what can I bring to the table? And So I thought, I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to, you know, just try to not be so serious and, you know, but have fun with it and enjoy. So thankfully, I was selected. And so I got to work for the bank, and it was. A program that would probably terminate at the time by the time I graduated high school, okay. which was in May of ninety three. So I knew that early on, and it was probably about nine months. So I got some really good skill set from the bank. And, and what did you do? Um, I got to come on as a part-time data entry clerk,
0: okay. Which sounds fascinating. <laughs> I actually. know, but that's what you wanted to do. I right? was
1: like, yes, well, I'll do whatever if it's at the bank. I was so excited. And so i I did that and just learned and learned and learned. And by the time I graduated, thankfully, um, the bank was kind of like, um, and Jesse Hartwell, I love her. She was, she was my, my manager at the time. And she said, well, we just don't want to let you go kiddo. And I was like, really? <laughs> and I had already been talking about what I was going to do, right? College, what was I going to mm-hmm. do after graduation and all those things that you, you think about. And, but there was a full-time position opportunity. Okay. And so I thought, well, gosh, this is great this is a great opportunity. So I prayed about it. I talked to my parents and they've always been super supportive. They, they, I think... And I say this humbly, they know they raised just a leader who always knew what she wanted to do at eight years old. Right. So that that was part of your personality. They kind of just let me go and they knew I would make the right decision. So they didn't, you know, even at 17, they trusted that. So God help me. (laughs) So I prayed about it and I just felt such peace about it. And I thought, God, I love this company. I don't want to leave yet. (laughs) You know, I'm glad they're letting me stay. So anyway, I accepted. And I went to night classes. I went to Amarillo College okay. for a while. I, I, didn't, I didn't complete it all, but I did go for a while. And I took a ton of classes, principles and laws of banking, one and two, marketing. You know, I took all these classes that would help me kind of see the world of banking in a sense. But I tell you what, for me, and I totally promote higher education. Obviously I serve on boards for that, but at the time, early nineties, I needed to work. I wanted to make a good living. I wanted to learn and I was just eager. And that was kind of my story. Right. And so, um, I took night classes as long as I could, and then just continued to push it full on in the job. And so I learned and learned. And by the time I was 21, 22, I was offered a supervisor, kind of like a teller supervisor. It was non-officer, but I was already learning to Mm -hmm. manage. So I was managing people. And by the time I became an officer, I was managing about eight people, you know, so I was learning all of it on the job and took it very seriously. But also I lead with the heart sometimes to a fall. So, yeah, (laughs) you know, but anyway, I, I love that story just because I know it's, I always tell everybody you could kind of get away with that in the nineties, but you've got to go to college yeah. today. You have to, I mean, it's a very competitive world out there. And now when I have the honor of interviewing people and they've got all these degrees, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. Um, but of course, you know, we, it's got to fit, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to have a personality. And then when you're in service on the front line and serving your customers. And so it's just exciting and it's humbling and, you know, I'm just thankful that it worked out for me. Well, and
0: you can teach a lot in a college setting, but you can't always teach the leadership yes. skills or the customer service skills right. or the personality. I mean, mm-hmm. some of those things are, are organic, and yeah. when you have somebody that's got that combination of classroom smarts and then people smarts, that's yeah. that's where you can really shine.
1: Definitely a blessing, and so. You know, 2004, um, I kind of threw my name in the hat with many candidates for a banking officer position and I moved to our Georgia location and I got to serve as their customer service uh, lobby manager for about a decade, about 10 years and was just fantastic. I mean, I could write a book about everything that I got to learn there and all the things that just grew in my career and in the public as far as serving and civically and all of that. And then in fast-forward a little bit, 2009, I was promoted to an assistant vice president and unexpectedly, like just, wow, shocker to me, always humbling. And then 2014, again, threw my name in the hat for a branch manager position. Right, Branches, openings don't come available often it's you know which is a great thing to the bank because mm-hmm. you know we don't have huge turnover in right yeah you want
0: somebody who knows the community yes. that you're serving and has experience there
1: and i still see it that way like wow i'm so honored i get to serve in this capacity now it's been about five years that i've had the branch location at northeast 24th and grand and i get to serve as a branch manager um because it's such an amazing role It's an amazing role, and we're just all honored to be in that spot because... It's a
0: really unique neighborhood surrounding you there.
1: Yes. And so, and now, mind you, when I threw my name in the hat for that, I had no idea which branch I'd be at. And so, A, I didn't know if I'd get it. B, I didn't know where I'd be. And so, but when I learned that they were going to allow me to work at the Northeast location, I was thrilled. I was ecstatic. And clearly, being Latina and Hispanic growing up in Southeast Amarillo, I'm totally at home in the multicultural sense, right. right? And so, anyway.
0: And that's, I mean, that's one of the most, I, I'm thinking of that intersection there at Grand yeah. and Northeast 24th is one of the most multicultural communities yes. in Amarillo.
1: I always say, and I'm probably off, I need to call my friends down at the refugee services office, but about 50 uh, language dialects, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's a conservative number. But we have I have every, you know, Customer from every probably country, right? And I know that
0: here. lower income people don't always have relationships with yeah. banks, right? Um, that's you know yeah. one of the realities of, mm-hmm. of that uh, environment. But you do see all of those like yeah. within that branch. I mean, you deal with customers from a variety of different,
1: yes, um,
0: backgrounds and languages and everything.
1: Absolutely, you know it's incredible because I tell my my team and I have a. Amazing team. I tell them, you know, I I think like 55% of our communication is body language. Mm -hmm. And so if you're smiling, you know, and you're, you're, you know, leaning in and just kind of listening and, and really looking at somebody in the eye and really showing that you care hospitably. Um, they don't care that you don't speak, you know, Farsi or whatever, right? right? And so we're just going to get in into the the digs with them and help them anyway. And somehow it works. It just works. And we do get some help with translators that come in with okay. them and stuff. But if they're English, they're learning the English, we get there with them. And now, mind you, it, it's a process, right? Trying to just, even if it's a small loan or a car loan or opening a bank account, going over the legal information, it's a little journey to get there, yeah. but you have to have the right people. And I'm so thankful to God that I've got an incredible team that has that grace
0: and patience right. <laughs> for Does people. Does your team of employees speak multiple languages there?
1: I used to have a bilingual Laos and a bilingual Vietnamese, okay. and they moved on to other opportunities within the bank um, or outside the bank. And so at this time I, I have several employees that are bilingual, Hispanic, right. Spanish speaking rather. But I wish I had somebody from, you know, every country. That'd be really cool. <laughs> and we're always open to look yeah, at those people, absolutely. those candidates. But I, I I totally just bypassed so much stuff in my life. I
0: Well, yeah, let's I, let's go back to that. So um, I want to talk about growing up in the barrio because yeah. I know it's one of those neighborhoods that Amarillo is like publicly paying a lot more attention to. We've got a barrio yeah. neighborhood plan. We're talking about the historic yeah. buildings mm-hmm. and... And the influence of that culture to the entire city, you know, going back decades. So as someone who actually grew up there, um, had grandparents and stuff who lived there, tell me, tell me what your experience was like. I mean, did it feel like anything different in terms of the community that, that you had known in Clovis or was it just, that's what Amarillo was?
1: For me, I feel like it, I immediately felt the support, like it was a big family. You almost feel like it was just a big square mile almost, mm-hmm. and everybody's just there together because, like, my aunt lived on one end, you know, my other aunt lived here. You know, like, we're all within a probably half a mile radius or whatnot. Okay. And so you felt that support, and I certainly didn't have that. Living, in Clo- I mean, my other grandparents lived in Clovis, so I don't want to take away from that. Love them, but it just—it was just different in sense of community here. I had the honor of going to Glenwood Elementary School when Betty Solis was okay. the principal, who
0: was the first bilingual teacher in AISD. Is that yes. right? Yes,
1: yeah, the the woman is a legend, and right. so just a dear friend and you know, spiritual mother, if you will, because she was just amazing at that school. Like she's just not a principal and I don't want to degrade any other principals cause they are amazing what they do, but she was in your life. She was very mm-hmm. engaged and did so much for so many families. And so I, it was just nice to have that support at school and at home with family and just sense of community and almost just safe, you know, okay. you just felt safer and so right out the gate, I was like, yes, this is home forever, <laughs> you know? And so with that being said, I just want to really quickly hit and and just thank God because I'm oh, just about my husband. I want to talk about my husband and okay. my kids really quick. Sure. Let's do so it. So I'm, I'm married to um, Arturo Gallardo. We'll be married 11 years in December. And I have two boys, um, my bonus son. He's 21. I got him from... My husband's previous. came with the package. He came with the package. I love him to death. He's 21. And then my baby, who's six, Giovanni. Okay. And so um, I I throw that in there simply because my husband is just so supportive and just so patient of all the things that I do. And so I'm just thankful that, you know, moving to the city just kind of, you know, you just see your, your stories written for you, you right? Know? and I don't think that I would have met my husband or, you know, all the things that God does for us. And so I just wanted to throw that out there and talk a little bit about my family.
0: Well, sure. And I, I want to talk about the barrio uh, specifically as a neighborhood where entrepreneurship is kind of baked into that, because mm-hmm. a lot of times we talk about minorities and businesses and, and a lot of minority communities like struggle to have yeah. some of whether it's the relationships or the resources, but um, from what I understand of of the Hispanic culture, like there's always been just a lot of go get them kind of entrepreneurship, yes. you know, kind of baked into that. Whether right. it's hard work, whether it's financing and stuff. Tell me, you know, as somebody who works at a bank and you yeah. deal with people all the time, right? Is is that an accurate perspective? Oh, that that's one hundred percent accurate.
1: Okay. You're gonna just see that in the way, what do they call it? That bootstrap, just pulling up right. the bootstraps and going, right? And so there's just different stories. And without using names, I know there's just families that started selling, you know, burritos out of their home or whatnot. And now they have restaurants right. or multiple businesses, you know. And of course, some of several of these in Northeast Amarillo, where I, my bank my branch is. And so just hardworking people that started, you know, at a lower scale. and and now just serve the whole community and been doing this for decades now. So 100%, I I think that it's that just hard work and dedication and just that not, not give up mentality. And they will just go and they will serve and they work countless hours mm-hmm. and then they raise their children and their children, you know, they, they do all this to pour into their families, of course, and their, their kiddos go off to college and, and get their degrees. And, and they do this because they want to see their, their kiddos have more and right. do better. And so you just, you love that humble pride. That's there.
0: For do sure. you see a lot of those kids come back?
1: Yes, okay I do. You know, it's funny because a lot of them are like, oh, I want to go away or and so you'll see they'll they'll go away, but I'm starting to see this circle where they're coming back. And so I'm so thankful for that. We want everyone to stay in Amarillo and and use your craft and your skill here. Right. We need we need your skills here. Uh, but I do see a lot of that, especially Latinos and I can definitely speak for our culture. We're real close. We're real close knitted. You know, we like to we like to be in the same like air. <laughs> Okay. And so even if they do leave for school or something, typically they do come
0: back. They maintain at least a close a tie. A lot, a
1: lot. Yeah, probably not 100%, but you know, it, it's not it's not uncommon.
0: <laughs> so, speaking of of not uncommon, your story is one of those that I've heard a remarkable number of times related to Amarillo National Bank. Mm-hmm. Someone who started maybe in high school or in yeah. their early 20s doing, you know, just a data entry role or something <laughs> like that and ends up a bank officer, you know, yeah. 30 years later are still working for the same employer. Yeah. And this is a, you know, we're in a period now where people go to work and they work for, you know, two or three years at one business and then move on to something else. Exactly. But at A&B, you have these long, long working histories with the company. Is is there yeah. something about the culture there that you think contributes to that?
1: Oh, it makes my heart so happy. You know, who can say in, in March, it'll be 27 years for me. That's on the full-time books. Part-time, you know, right. it'd probably be a little more than years than that. But yes, you know, I, I don't want to take away from any other company ever, of course, but we just, and I get asked this question at least once a week, It's like, is is it just A&B or all banks or all companies like this? I'm like, well, you know, I've only worked for A&B like almost my entire life and I'm a little partial, but obviously I have tons of friends that are business owners that work for other companies. And when we start, they see my world, you know, like, wow, that's so cool. I just think that A&B, we, we kind of are a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. We kind of have our own culture. You know, it's not an act. It's authentic. It's real. It just defines who we are. And it's funny cause I'm going to plug my, my friend's department, people, culture development. We, we created that uh, division or area of, you know, about five, six years ago, I suppose, because it's, it's obviously our training program for the bank, but it, we're not just training you how to run a drawer, right? right. Be a teller but we're training you like A and B's style that our way of doing things, our way of serving our community, our way of serving our customers. And so it's just a unique thing. And if in those of us, long time people that have been there for so long, we, we get that. And we're working on our younger, you know, junior officers or our, our generations coming in and showing them that the ropes. And so I, I can't tell you how many times in being in management and training my people where they're going for, you know, through the legal field or medical field right. or all, you know, and then they fall in love with banking. Really, I think they fall in love with Emerald National Bank.
0: It's less the job than maybe yeah, the family that they exactly. find themselves in,
1: and so it's man, we're so blessed. Love the wares, love the bank, and I'm not just saying that. It's it's me, it's who I am,
0: you know. Well, and you're not alone. I mean, yeah. I, that's something I hear from employees right. all the time.
1: Absolutely, huge blessing. I love working there. So I think it's just our we call it our A and B culture. Okay, <laughs> true blue. <laughs>
0: So I I want to switch gears a little bit. Okay. And I know that you were involved with the city of Amarillo in helping to, um, I guess, think about the needs of the Civic Center in preparation for the bond election that's coming up. Yes, sir. Um, and, And so coming up with a proposal for a new Civic Center and... Um, the ways that that needs to evolve to continue meeting the needs of this area. So, how did you get involved in that project? Yes, thank place? you.
1: Thank you for asking about that. The Civic Center is such a huge, important thing that I'm in the middle of at the moment. Uh, well, I had the honor of being asked to join this committee. I see Mayor Ginger Nelson a lot and Councilwoman Hayes. You know, we're all in the same kind of circles, right? Right. Just out there in the community. And obviously it's not a new thing talking about developing the civic center. Okay.
0: <laughs> as long as I can remember, we've been talking right. about it. It's
1: so. been a conversation for quite some time. And the hope and prayer is that, you know, i I've got faith. I'm going to stand out there and say, this is it, this is, this is happening. And so there were five people that they you know, kind of were looking at, they, you know, executive committee. And so, I do have the honor of serving with four other people. Um, David Lovejoy, Julie Sims, Mike Hughes, and Rod Schroeder. And so we're the five uh, that make up the executive committee for the Civic Center. We've been on this project for about a year. So we were all asked. And obviously, you know, I I try not to give quick yeses. It's hard to say no. I've learned over the years that I can't. I, I'm honored to be asked to be on people's boards. It's so nice to to, to know, Well, you like me, okay. Uh, but sometimes it's difficult yeah. because you do have to say no. And, you know, I'm a mom, I'm, you know, manage people, I'm a wife. And so I, when I was asked by a lot of our very prominent leaders of the city, which is a huge honor, and I, I say that humbly, um, I didn't give a fast yes. I was like, I need to pray about this. I need to pray about this. And to talked to my, the Lord. I need to talk to my husband and I need to talk to my superior, you know, Terry, Terry Boswell Williams, who's my mentor leader and just kind of catch a feel for everything. Cause mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it is politics, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. So, um, I just wanted to make sure I made the right decision and just found peace about it. So I did, I did that. I took, and I, it was last year, a little but around this time of the year, took the holiday to kind of pray over it, write down some things, talk to the people that impact my life so closely. And everybody was on board. And I thought, well, that's confirmation. And I felt peace about it. And I love my city, obviously. And it's downtown, right? Right. In the heart of, of our city. And so I thought, what an opportunity to, to be a part of this. And God, we got to make it happen this time. Let's go get it. And so I, I said, yes. And so we've been on this committee, the five of us, for a year. About a year now. So we're right smack dab in the middle of working on our presentation to city council so that we can take a look and see if they would approve it for the bond election.
0: Okay. And that process, I imagine there were a lot of discussions about what do we recommend? Yes. What do we need? What you know, things do we need to think about Mm -hmm. that maybe aren't even an issue now, but might be 10 years from now. Was there anything that that maybe surprised you in taking that deep dive into the Civic Center? You know, just as someone who, mm-hmm. of course, had been there, had gone to events there, but maybe just didn't have a full grasp of what it does.
1: Absolutely, I was dumbfounded. You know, you think you kind of know because you've been to the Civic Center, I'm there all the time, right, for civic or banquet events or whatever, but getting into the nuts and bolts of it all and hearing from like the World Rodeo, uh, WRCA, yeah. And how they do things, the day in the life of setting up for that event. Which is
0: the biggest event that takes place there every year. Yes,
1: and actually um, it's about to happen just here, here shortly. And so the biggest event that brings in millions of dollars. And so when I got to walk through what that process looks like and the challenges that they face because of our facility just does not have the things that they need, yeah. you know, to get, get animals in and out to, I mean, they've outgrown it. We could, they could probably have a ton more guests. It's all, I was looking online for tickets and there's, they're sold out yeah. on several days, you know? And so it's a huge event and we want to keep WRCA here. We want to keep all these vendors here. We don't want to lose anybody. They certainly are impacting, you know, our local economic development. And so some pe- people might be at home going, well, how does that affect me? And why should I vote? Lord willing, we get this on the ballot. Yeah. And- I don't I don't
0: care about rodeo, so why is that a big deal for right, me? Right, you know? but I
1: promise this impacts every person that lives in Amarillo, Texas, because we want those dollars, right? We want people to come to Amarillo. We want them to come and eat and stay at hotels. And even with that being said, just looking at just a few numbers, currently we we have about 504 events that we, Amarillo Civic Center, host annually. And so projected, we can move that up by 85 additional events. I mean, okay, That may not sound like a lot, but... Think about it. Just the rodeo itself brings in about 6 million. Yeah. I mean, those so, could be
0: multi-million dollar Right. So events. you look
1: at 85 more events a year, which are cool concerts. Speaking of, we could have hosted Share. You know, we have a list of celebrities that would have come or concerts that we missed out on simply because our facility just was not able to to withstand the needs that they had. Um, you know, share, who would have thought she'd sing the 5,000 seats, but the yeah. ceiling is... 38 feet. and We need it taller. Her video board was too large. And so when you look at the scale of all that, it just wouldn't fit. And That's so- one of the
0: things that I, I think in hearing the proposal was, as I guess, more surprising to me because all of us can look at it and think, well, you know, we used to have a lot of concerts, but nobody wants to come and do a show for 3,000 people or 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that, yes, artists do want to do that because Amarillo is an ideal stop between wherever they're going. But they can't because they have a stage set up that they have to move from place to place, and in Amarillo, the height of the Coliseum is too small for their big screens, and so they like, mm-hmm. it's not the number of seats; it's the the number of feet from the floor to ceiling. Absolutely, and that's the that's the sticking point.
1: Exactly, that's exactly right. And so, a couple of things that are popping up in my head is like Leonard Skinner, yeah, um, the big Marvel. You know, I don't know about you, but the little ones love the Marvel, okay. you know, the big show. And so we just, we, we got bypassed because our facility is just not able to, to support that. So it's definitely important. And the hotels, same thing. We we could increase that by 33,000 hotel stays a year. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of money lot. and people, if you're staying at a hotel, you're going to eat, right? So that's more dollars generated to our local businesses. Um, attendees, 171,000 more people per year.
0: And that's, that's coming in not Amarillo people, but people from outside the city. All over,
1: yes. Currently, we we host about 416,000 people. That could go up to 587,000. So, I mean, that's a lot of people. And these are conservative estimates. These are, you know, these are real numbers. We spent, like I said, a year (laughs) over all of these details. Um, and so these are pretty conservative, so it could still be beyond these numbers here. Um, economic impact, which is the biggest one everyone's, everyone wants to know about dollars. And so currently we're 36 million right now impacted because of the civic center. That's how much it brings in. That's how much we're bringing in per year now. And projectively we could see 64.4 million conservatively. That's almost
0: twice that number.
1: So when you think about it, you know, it's not just another entertainment venue. I mean, it's our civic center. What Mm -hmm. does not happen at the civic center? I mean, everybody impacts, it it impacts every economic, you know, status, culture. It doesn't matter what side of town you live in. This, everyone goes to the civic center at some point in your life. And so we are just hoping and praying that this is the the last, the final call.
0: (laughs) One thing that occurs to me as we think about that is that, you know, when you talk about We need the Civic Center to be bigger. We need to evolve. We need to be able to host more events. The thinking can't just be about, like, what do we need to do right now? Because Mm -hmm. we're going to make a decision now that, you know, we might not see the full use of the building for 10 to 20 years. And so you have to anticipate what are the needs of Amarillo 20 years from now and how can we meet those needs in addition to the ones, you know, in the Mm -hmm. present day. And so you have to think really big Absolutely. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. I'm glad you said that. Because if you think this way, we're at the 70-year mark now. Right. So our our sweet girl, our civic center, has taken a beating, right? So she needs a total do-over. <laughs> she needs some help. So, but in looking at all of this, we we took all of this into consideration for the next 50 years. Right. And so if you think this way, I mean, the next 50 years is a big impact. 50 years ago, the people that voted and, you know, collected the dollars that it took to make this happen, well, now it's our turn. Right. It's our turn for the next 50 years. Well, and
0: the big events like the WRCA, which is the biggest thing at the Civic Center now, didn't yeah. even exist when it was built. So so the need it may be serving, you know, three decades from now, may be something we don't even know about. But Absolutely. we've got to find a way to sort of anticipate some of those things. We
1: absolutely do. And I believe WRCA is celebrating their 25th year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And so if you think this way, they want to stay here with us, right? They've been doing this a long time. They have a huge following. They're out,
0: identified with MRO. Out
1: of the country. Like, I was shocked. People from Florida. Like, I didn't realize. I knew it was probably Texas and Colorado and the surrounding states. I had no idea all around the world of the people that come to Amarillo how cool is that to know we can host these people mm-hmm. for four days or whatnot and show them our culture and how cool and kind we are and so I just I was just astonished and they we heard from them and several other vendors obviously because we wanted to know what the struggles were back of house getting trucks right. and trailers in there where you know all of the details that it takes to have such a huge massive event and so if you think this way you you said it what, what other things are we missing out on you know what other vendors what other events and so i definitely think that with all the pros and cons and planning and the year that we've invested the executive committee we are looking at the next 50 years and it's only fair it's 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 only fair that we do that for our city and i just i'm excited about this and i'm going to be positive the glass is half full and i'm going to just stay positive and and just continue to pray in these citizens that they get on board
0: with us for sure yeah so i i want you to be as positive as, as you want to be Um, But I also want to think, like, what would it mean if we can't make these changes? Like, I mean, thinking of how Amarillo has been growing and the momentum that we have now and where we hope to be, you know, in 30 years. Like, what happens if, if this doesn't happen?
1: It's devastating. I'm glad you asked that. Because imagine driving downtown and who knows, Civic Center is just completely falling apart, boarded up because we can't get in it. It's, it's of no use. It's become obsolete. Mm-hmm. Besides that, the building and how sad that would be in dark. Think about the dollars. How many jobs would we lose? Would, yeah. would businesses close down because money's not moving in that area? I mean, yes, we have our amazing ballpark. I'm, I love it. I'm so thankful it's right there. And just think about how powerful we could be and, and Economically strong. If we have also an incredibly new civic center, and you've got to go to conversationciviccenter.org okay. is the website, and get on there and just read all the details. Look at the renderings that that are out there. It's it. The concept is beautiful, and it's when you see it, it just blows your mind. Like we we respect our city enough. We've got to do this. But if we don't do this, the thirty-six million that we have now goes away. Okay. We lose the rodeo. We lose that those dollars, and then the you know, increasing to 64 million, it doesn't happen. So, I mean, we have to do it.
0: Even just the repairs to the Civic Center, you know, to kind of maybe bring it up to speed now are a big, big ask, you know. And and so you 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 could set aside money for those however many millions of dollars, or you could just, like, do it right and prepare for the future with this other project. And so even the idea of let's just fix, you know, what's not working. Right really isn't a good solution either it's not a a good use of money
1: no no because we could continue to repair it and paint it and you know fix things and all of those things but think about it uh we're our ceiling capacity is outdated i mean we're so you know behind the times we can't get any of these other concerts and that's what everybody complains about right how come we don't get so and so well we need a nice place to host them you know uh just the facility itself there's so many things involved The the kitchen needs the catering needs you know everyone brings in caterers to bring food in what if we had uh, kitchens inside with our own chefs that right. could provide hot, could fresh food. Prepared, yeah. You know, what if we had new locker rooms and a green room for, you know, our singers or whomever is coming in. And so there's just the sky's the limit. And we talk about the concert part of it, but gosh, think about all the other stuff. Um, youth sports, mm-hmm. everybody leaves town every weekend for club sports. Right. Yep. And in talking to friends and don't quote me on this, um, it's about $10,000 a year per kid, wow. uh, to try think about it, Cause they're going to colorado oklahoma across the states and then they're having to pay for hotel you know sport Mm -hmm. fees and etc and now i'm not saying those fees will completely go away but what if we could host these tournaments here with the larger space and bring in more dollars a lot of our emerald families could stay home for a while too Mm -hmm. so it's just i mean the sky's the limit you think about graduation you know, at 10 tickets per student or it's something. It's a nightmare weekend How, Who do you pick? Yeah. Aunt Susie or grandma? I mean, like, you know, no pressure, right? And so think about just having all the space so that your whole family could watch you walk across the stage. So, I mean, the list just goes on and on. I'm throwing out things at the top of my head, but there's there's just so many possibilities. Right. I mean, it's more than concerts and rodeos for so sure. So many possibilities for sure. Yes.
0: So you've, you've lived here, for and, and worked here for several decades now. You've spent yes. the last year looking several decades into the future. Um, tell me something that you've learned about Amarillo and Amarillo people. You know, just in your career, because uh, presumably you could have yes. you could have ended up someplace else. Absolutely. You could have gone somewhere else to work. I mean, yeah. you can bank anywhere. Yeah, um, but you stayed here. So it's true.
1: And you know, at the time during graduation, me and my best friend um, were starting to meet with. Uh, some school, Dallas, we, we thought we talked about moving to Dallas and going to school in Dallas and all of that. And so then you're just thankful, right? For what, <laughs> from the way it turned out. Uh, but as to answer your question, Amarillo is obviously, I mean, I'm blessed to raise my son in Amarillo. My my six year old. I think that we are still kind. I think that, you know, we're humble. I think that it's definitely a great place to just raise your children and your family. And people always say there's nothing to do or, you know, it's boring. And I'm like, no, there's so much to do. You go to the museums, you know, go to the zoo, go to the Discovery Center. Uh, you know, go to Palo Duro Canyon, just network and talk to people and enjoy other families. There's so much to do. We have a huge church base. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have your church friends, your neighborhood friends. And so I just, I don't know, Amarillo, it's it's amazing. It's my city. I love it.
0: <laughs> hey, Amarillo is also sponsored this week by Bivens Point. Now, you may not think about senior health care at all. And that's totally okay. That's totally expected until you get to the point where it's time to help your parents or maybe your grandparents make those kinds of decisions so when that time comes turn to Bivens Point Bivens is a long trusted name for senior health care in Amarillo and Bivens Point delivers a personal treatment plan and a caring dignified experience and I know that not just because they sponsored the show and gave me ad copy to read I know that because both of my Amarillo grandparents spent time there toward the end of their lives. So if you'd like to learn more about Bivens Point or to schedule a tour of their facilities, contact Becky Davis at 806-350-2206 or visit BivensPoint.org, and that's point with an E. Okay, I'm back with Jennifer Gallardo. Jennifer, this is the part of the show I call eight straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions, and your job as my guest is to answer those in as much detail as you want to. I know you've listened to these in the past. A lot of these are the same questions I've asked other guests, except for this very first one. What's the most exciting or memorable event you've been to at the Civic Center?
1: While there are so many. I'm going to have to say graduation. Walking across the stage.
0: Your own graduation. Class of
1: 93. Yes, my own graduation. That was probably by far the biggest memory of my life.
0: I am always just fascinated every time graduation weekend rolls around, because I know there's like a Saturday in May when you've got, you know, three or four different high schools doing a graduation ceremony every three or four hours, and you've got thousands of people moving back and forth into and out of that building, and it's just It can be chaos, you know? It's
1: crazy. It's chaos. Oh, and you never forget, I remember that day, me and my best friends, and, and of course, uh, living just right under uh, under third, you know, under the underpass. Yeah, the underpass. Um, My best friend lived on that side on, like, East 5th. And of course, all of us girls just getting ready, putting on our cap and gowns and, you know, and then we look at the time and like we literally have a few minutes to get there. We lost track of time. We were so excited and just racing there and running through and just all the excitement of it all. But yes, definitely crazy. Thousands of kids. Uh, But it was also during the time where baccalaureate was still at the Civic Center, by the way. I wanted to mention that because now that's changed. Yeah, so now
0: it's like uh, a week churches. or two ahead of time
1: and it's at a church. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. back then, Baccalaureate was actually at the Civic Center too. So those are just beautiful memories where you're, all your family's there and we didn't have tickets. So
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> back then.
0: Back then. <laughs> you didn't have to make those hard decisions. That's right. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? Oh,
1: it's, and, you, and all your guests say this. It is hard to answer that question, but I pinned it to one because it's in my neighborhood and we love to eat there. It's El Charro. Okay. El Charro Mexican Restaurant, it's on I-40 and Bolton Street. Um it's authentic Mexican food. The service is so so kind. The people are kind and the food is delicious. And my husband's from Torreon, Mexico. Okay. So when we first dated and married, I was introduced to a lot more authentic Mexican food. That I thought I thought I knew. But yeah. Tex-Mex food is different Not from same. authentic Mexican food. And so anyway, now that's kind of our I'm glad spot.
0: you mentioned that cuz I have driven past that one so many yeah. times on I-40, go. and I've never eaten there. Go. Okay.
1: Yes. It used to be there for a little bit. You had to order in Spanish, but now it's very no, I, could, I could probably handle you that. You could do it, Even Jason. rudimentary. You could totally do it. Yeah, but if you go order a carne asada burrito or the gorditas, okay. oh, it's so
0: good. Okay, yes. good. What's your favorite local coffee shop? I have two. All right.
1: <laughs> of course, Palace. They're amazing. And uh, Roasters. Okay. Yes. love both. Now, sides. those
0: are very different... Roasting styles. Very, From what I know, I don't know a ton about coffee, yeah. but I know that there's you know a different palate for roasting and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And, and they're serving maybe different communities because some mm-hmm. people like the the deeper smokier mm-hmm. blend that um, roasters does, and then Palace is a little bit more fruitier. Yeah, you know it's true. So, but both of those are your favorites. Both so you of don't, those are my favorite. Neither yes. one of those really. They'll identifies. probably both
1: kill me. But I always do like a, either an almond or a soy mocha. Okay, <laughs> so. You know, you're kind of in the same taste once you start putting the milk in and stuff, but both of them are so good. I I do. And a lot of times it depends on what side of town I'm in. Obviously I'm downtown a lot, you know, just because of meetings or whatnot. So I'll I'll stop in the palace right there on Polk or if um, I'm near the Georgia area, I'll stop at Roasters. Okay. Yeah.
0: What does this area have too much of?
1: Oh, and I'm sorry. My Amarillo Unsafe drivers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, we've got to slow down. We've yeah. got to quit texting and driving. We just gotta really just you know be a little more graceful for each other, and just take care of it. the roads, take care of each other. But I just think a little bit of unsafe. I think we need to just slow down and pay attention.
0: <laughs> Which that's one of those things I've heard guests say that before. I've also heard guests who are newer to the area say people here drive too slow because huh. they're used to oh. Dallas right. or Houston, and I that's that's something that just those are such opposite things Yeah, growing up here. I huh. do think people tend to drive too fast, right. um, but it's, it's weird that people would have different perspectives on it based Absolutely. on where they've been.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. It really is true. And I think it's just, just a matter of paying attention and slowing mm-hmm. down. Some things can be just totally avoided if we just all paid attention.
0: Okay. What does this area not have enough of?
1: Well, and I know you've probably had this answer before, especially if coming from the south or north end of town, but I put, you know, the southeast and northeast area, we could really use some more business development. Okay. Um, I'd love to see, you know, things like Home Depot or Target or just more shopping centers. And of course, I know a lot of this is a uh, lack of infrastructure and all those things. And, uh, but man, my husband and I talk about this all the time. We're, we're going to stay hopeful that something starts to happen and we can get more business development, especially the southeast side of town where we live. Okay. Be really nice.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you think that there's, is, is it something as simple as infrastructure that we didn't quite plan for enough growth out there, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, or is there anything else involved in that?
1: You know, um, and I definitely don't want to proclaim to be the expert of it, but in some of my community conversations, or when I hear these talks, a lot of it seems like we did not plan well enough mm-hmm. with the infrastructure. And I know that underground is very expensive to do that and so it's easy to just to go buy a piece of land and right. build a restaurant or build a store that's you know that's a no brainer probably but i think when you get into the the weeds of having to take care of the underground that's expensive and
0: or develop a full neighborhood or something that's
1: right and so and obviously you know i get it too probably the economics of it all too like you look at you know, volume? Are, are you going to have enough customers? Mm-hmm. And what's the economic look like? And so I get all that from an entrepreneur standpoint, but man, I'm still hoping. I, I'd love to see that happen. Well, I
0: mean, <laughs> even people who have a lower socioeconomic status, you know, right. still need to buy hardware. Yes, you know, they sir. still need to shop. We're for...
1: all driving to Southwest exactly. on the weekends to shop. And, you know, you think about and I'm going to use A and B as a shameless plug, but, you know, the Southeast uh, area really wanted a branch, mm-hmm. a bank branch over there. And so the wearers listened and, you know, and that's, that's one of our busiest locations. Uh, My friend Teresa Soria runs that location and they are always high traffic. And so, you know, they, they took a chance on it. So
0: maybe others will follow. (laughs) What's the most underrated aspect of living here?
1: I think that we may not give enough credit to our culture, just like, and well, maybe we do, but I, I just think that I wish people from out of town don't really get it. You know, I've actually had people ask me, so are y'all on horses all day? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, we're very, we're very modern. We're very current. But I think that just the kindness of it all, I think that we really do have good people. I don't think it's an act. You know, whenever um, I meet someone that's from out of state, maybe we're at a restaurant or we're shopping or something. I'm like, well, where are you from? You know, we just tend to have conversations. And when it's people from maybe East Coast or something they're like that's odd, y'all just talk to everybody. Well, maybe it's just me, but
0: <laughs> no, I, I think that's but true. But we do.
1: We just tend to talk to each other and, oh, where are you from? And what brings you to town? And, you know, just all of those things. We're just really engaging and very welcoming. And, and honestly, I think if they were having, you know, car trouble or something, we'd, we'd be the first ones to go out there and help them. I mean, I just think that it's nice to still have that in in our culture here at Amarillo.
0: Okay. When was the last time you visited the Big Texan?
1: That was, I was thinking about that question. It was about a year ago, my brother-in-law's birthday. We had dinner out okay.
0: there. Yeah. Free prime ago. rib on your birthday? Yes.
1: That... Yes. It, it was fun. We did the whole thing. I took my little boy and, you know, he got the boot mug and the yeah, hat and the yeah. whole thing. So it was fun. It was about a year ago. We probably need to go back.
0: Well, it's um, its probably not the kind of thing you do frequently if you live here, but yeah. special occasions and visitors from out of town and I all think that it's kind of cool
1: thing. that a lot of uh, people come here to go to the Big Texan yeah. and you know or the Cadillac Ranch or all these places that we have it, it definitely thing tourist spots. <laughs> okay.
0: And last question, what's your favorite street in Amarillo?
1: I have three. Is that Ooh, okay, Jason? Okay. Yeah, let's
0: <laughs> let's hear them. I'm
1: going to start with South Roberts just because that's where my grandma Maria and Pablo lived. Right on the corner, it was the big greenhouse. And so a lot of us grandkids after school, we'd stop there and grandma, would, you know, make us burritos or she always had something cooking or cake or something. And so that, uh, that that's one. I'm trying to get emotional. Um, Polk Street. Just because there's so much going on. You know, we have all these fun places. I think there's 38 or 40 eateries now, right, downtown. And um, with Crush there and and Six Car Pub and all those spots over there. And so I I tend to like to go downtown a lot, whether it's to meet a customer for lunch or friends for lunch or dinner with my husband. I'm just really excited about what's going on downtown for sure. So Polk. And then the last one is, of course, Northeast 24th and Grand, where okay. my branch is. <laughs> it's a hopping corner, let me tell Absolutely, you. Absolutely, We have is. people there all the time, and so there's, it's never boring, that's for sure.
0: Okay. Jennifer, that uh, concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So I know you're involved in all kinds of different things in Amarillo. Um, what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to <laughs> okay, experience? Too. And maybe, maybe you want to go beyond <laughs> the one thing. I'll well, allow it. Thank you.
1: Well, I, I one is my father's church, Sanborn Baptist Church, and okay. he's a pastor. And my mom Emma's there, and Robert, and uh, they have served that community for um, over 20 years. Wow. So okay. yeah, I love that. And then, of course, uh, one of the civic boards I serve on is Los Barrios de Amarillo. I'm on their executive okay. committee, and. Um, I am so thankful, just thank our community because in April we were able to give out about 57 uh, scholarships to students. So we're actually right smack dab in the middle of preparing for our high school step up to success where we'll host uh, 600 students from all over the panhandle and local counties. And so just an amazing organization. We're on to our about to celebrate our 50 years in 2021. So we want to continue just to increase our, of course, scholarship giving and be supportive there kind of a hub for our kiddos okay. and not just minorities or hispanic students it's all all children and for higher learning you know that, okay. that need a little help up with their scholarship so just so proud to serve on that board and obviously we meet inside the wesley community center and um so blessed heart of the barrio where it all happens
0: <laughs> all right jennifer Garrido, thank you so much for being on the podcast i appreciate it thanks for having me jason and that concludes the show. First, thanks to Jennifer for being my guest uh, for this episode. To learn more about the Civic Center proposal, which I, r- I really suggest that you do, visit ConversationCivicCenter.com. Thanks also to Amber Morgan of the Manny Camper and Bivens Point for sponsoring this episode. And as usual, this episode of Hey Amarillo was edited by Angelina Marie, who does an incredible job week in and week out. And of course, thanks to my executive producers, Corey Burns, Ryan Pennington, Daniel Davis, Jennifer Callahan, Chris Elda, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wes Reeves, Wilson Lemieux, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, and Neil Nassiman. They all support the show through patreon.com slash And if you love the show, you can support it too. Just go to uh, Patreon, see if there's a support tier that fits you and your budget. And I'd love to have you on as one of my supporters. Anyway, thank you for listening. This has been episode 116. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.